Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm happy to welcome back to the Reader House Author Roundtable author Ivy Green. Great to be chatting with you again, Ivy. Thank you so much for being here again. Well, thank you for having me. Well, last time you stopped by, we talked about the puppy dog Sonny and his adventures with Wally the Catfish. Now, Sonny's back again with another adventure. You have a new book about it in stores right now. It's called Sonny's Adventures with Little Duke. So can you tell me about what Sonny's up to this time? Yes. Sonny, he uh, lives in the south, so he's never seen snow. And Little Duke lives in the north, and there's lots of snow. Sonny gets to go visit Little Duke this time for a month while his owners go on vacation. So while he's there visiting Little Duke, he gets to play in the snow. He gets to go to dog parks, which he never gets to go where he lives because he lives on a lake and he has, you know, all the freedom in the world. So he's loving all that. And he learns about birds that fly south because Sonny has the ability to talk to other animals. And, you know, that's a little magic in the story. And he can talk to Little Duke. That's what it's about. He's visiting. Sonny's visiting Little Duke up north and getting to know about what other places are like. And he even gets to get his first chicken taco. So he is a really happy puppy. (laughs) Ivy, can you remind us again what sorts of readers that you had in mind with this? Yes. Really, the ages are from the mom or dad or a babysitter reading the book to infant, you know, all the way up to, oh, I have a nephew that's nine years old that just loves the book. Mm. And then I have a nephew that's three And he won't put it down and he won't let no one have it. So, (laughs) you know, the ages are all through there. I'm just happy that the children really like it. Mm. I'm hoping that it gets in the schools here and there because it shows the relationship between an animal and a little boy, how close they can be. So did you find writing Sonny's Adventures with Little Duke any easier than maybe when you were writing about Wally the Catfish before? Well, no, when I sit down to write these stories with Sonny, it just flows out of me. Hmm. It's easy. I have so many stories written, so many books written, that Sonny will last forever. <laughs> and and it's and no, it is really easy because Sonny was a real pup and hmm. I had him years ago. And he was smart. I mean, <laughs> he, he would do things that I just was amazed at. I almost thought he was human. So no, to sit down and write about him is easy as Yes, and I'm glad because I love writing stories with him in it and things he does and finds and fixes and he likes his mysteries and he solves them, you know, at the end of the book. So it's really good. And I love seeing what stories you come out with next. So can you give us maybe a little idea of what might be coming up ahead? Yes. Next story is Sonny meets Clyde the Pony. Hmm. Sonny gets to go to a wildlife center where his friend finds an aisle that has a broken wing, so they take it to the wildlife center to get see if they can get it fixed. And he finds all these animals that, he, you know, he, he never knew anything like that existed. And he goes and he sees his pony all by itself. So 
he goes over and talks to the pony and yes, the pony's name. And the pony says, well, my name's Clyde, but I don't like that name. And suddenly he had to tell him that that name was a good, strong name. And then the pony liked it. But the pony has a bad leg. So that's why he's there at the center. Sonny wanted to know if he was going to get to go back home or whatever in time. And he says, no, I'm here forever because they took me in because I have a bad leg and they're going to keep me. So it's a good story about him and just the wildlife center and teaching children that there's help out there for animals and my way of using Sonny as a tool, you know. It's a great story. I think readers should definitely check this book out. It's called Sonny's Adventures with Little Duke. It's written by Ivy Green and published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere. You pick up books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ivy, I really enjoyed having you back on the show again. Thank you for joining me and hope we can do it again soon. Oh, me too. Thank you very much. Willie Weed's Miracle Garden. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now by Karen D. Holden, and I'm really happy that Karen's right here with me now to talk about it. Karen, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me all about Willie Weed's Miracle Garden? Okay. Willie Weed takes his readers on a journey into a world filled with imaginary friends that have a real-life impact on them. What sorts of readers did you have in mind whenever you were writing this? Well, it is for children of all ages. Willie's hope is that when people read books to their children or the children read the books to the parents or the guardians, that it will have an impact on all of them. They'll see the need for what Willie brings to the focus. Hmm. Karen, can you think back to where you got the idea for this book and the inspiration to write it and have it published? Yes. I have had the great fortune to be able to travel around the world. In my travels, I noticed that one thing that was lacking in the United States that I found in a lot of other countries, some not, and that was that they didn't have quality food and nutrition teaching. Hmm. You know, they offer opportunities for people to learn what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat and that sort of a thing. But they never tell them why or how or present a fun-filled way of understanding nutrition. And when it comes to writing and publishing, is this your first time doing this? Yes. Well, congratulations. It's so exciting to get your first book out there. Uh, Tell me about what that moment was like when you got that first one in your hands. You got to hold it and look at it. You mean after I stopped crying? Uh. (laughs) Yeah, it was so unbelievable. Mm. You know, I was excited and I was frightened and it was all of the emotions you come up with. But the best part was when friends of mine and people that I came in contact with, they started asking me for my autograph. And reality started setting in. And I said, well, wait a minute, maybe I did do something here. So when you look back on it all, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author and having your work out there for the world? The reward is yet to come. That is when Willie accomplishes his goal. So a lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out. They haven't written a book yet, but they really want to. They really want to get their stuff out there. So what advice could you offer them? I would say do it. It will make a difference in someone's life, maybe many people's lives. Do it. Mm. Karen, did it take you a long time to write and then put through the publishing process, Willie Weed's Miracle Garden? Actually, the writing process took me about six months, the actual physical writing process. And then the publishing was a a very good learning experience. Mm. Now I know what to expect in the next one. I actually, believe it or not, I have four in mind that I have started, you know, my notes on. But one of them is in in full progress right now. Fantastic. 
Well, Karen, who inspires you when, when it comes to your writing or creativity or just the way you live your life? You know, it's funny because in my life I've had adversities, you know, maybe more than the next person or less than the next person. I don't know. But I was able to overcome adversity. But mm. the one true person who helped me the most was remembering my maternal grandfather. And he was just a slight little man, you know, very unpretentious, but he loved little trinkets and toys and anything that was mechanical. And from that, I saw the vision in his mind of the fantasy world that it presents for him, presented for him. And that's what stimulated me with Willie. Mm. By the way, his name, his name was Willie Weed. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, when you sit down to write, do you have a routine that you go to? Like, I sit down every evening or I wake up early every morning to write. Or are you more of the writer that sort of sits down whenever the inspiration hits you? Exactly. When I have inspiration on it, a thought will come to me. I'll be lying in bed or I'll praying or whatever I'm doing. And then I have a, a thought that comes to me. Then I'll, I'll sit down and write. I usually, I'm a, a physical writer. I walk and, and meditate and think, and then I can sit down and put it on paper. Karen, are you a reader as well? A lot of authors are. Do, do you read a lot? Yes, I do. What kinds of things do you find yourself drawn to? Basically, I like fun. Anything that's fun-filled. I'm not much on biographies. I just find them to be, you know, interesting, but it's not stimulating. And I don't really learn from them. I like educational books and, yeah, primarily fun educational. Karen, thank you for putting so much work and passion into this really important issue. It's called Willie Weed's Miracle Garden. It's written by Karen D. Holden, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Karen, I really appreciate you coming on the show with me tonight. I had a great time learning about Willie Weed and just a really nice time talking with you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it myself. Sitting next to me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Manuel Manny Monsivais Jr. Manny, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. Well, it's really exciting. You have a new book out in stores now. It's called Just Squeeze My Hand, A Caregiver's Experience with Frontotemporal Dementia. Can you tell me about the book? Well, this is a story of a marriage that, after 26 years, was interrupted and extended six years by the terminal illness called frontotemporal dementia. Hmm. It depicts some of the symptoms of the disease and the challenges of properly diagnosing this disease. It also describes some of the do's and don'ts for a caregiver in order to make it less stressful for the caregiver and their support group. Manny, what kinds of readers did you have in mind whenever you were writing this book? My target audience would be anyone who may become a caregiver for someone having any type of terminal illness or permanent disability. My main objective for writing this book was to make everyone aware that the caregiver for a terminally ill patient will need a lot of support. They will need help from family and friends and other support groups like church, SOS, or servants on standby teams. In a frontal temporal dementia patient, the behavior of the patient can become very violent and unpredictable. The patient will become erratic and confrontational at times, and this becomes a very stressful situation for the caregiver. So then what persuaded you to sit down, write this book, and publish it? My book was about to, my first wife who contracted the terminal illness, so she was my inspiration to start the book and share our story. The reason for the book being finished was because of my second wife pushed me to finish it, saying, you need to share this to help others. Hmm. And how long did this take you to write and publish? Approximately 11 months. 
Is this the first time you've ever done this when it comes to writing or publishing? This is my second published book. My first book is The Teen Driver's Bible, A Parent's Guide for Supporting Their Teen's Critical First Phase of Driving. This curriculum includes preventing the seven most serious accidents and is the first fundamental focus concept training program available anywhere today. This training will give every reader a new knowledge, making them proactive drivers versus reactive drivers, which is a, there's a huge difference there. Also, the Teen Driver's Bible, which focuses on accident prevention and saving lives. I feel the Teen Driver's Bible is the best defensive driving book ever written. Anyone who completes this curriculum will have a new knowledge and never drive the same again. Now, looking ahead, Manny, do you have any plans for writing more and publishing more books? I have a couple other projects coming, hopefully, in the next year or two. Hmm. Now, a lot of our listeners are authors just starting out. Do you have any advice for the aspiring authors out there? Mainly, don't give up. Keep writing. Stay focused and follow your dreams. I highly recommend Christian Faith Publishing. They have been flawless in supporting throughout the process of both books. The feeling of a lot of hard work finally being available to the masses was very gratifying. Also, the feeling of gratitude to God for letting me complete these books. In October 2013, I was ready to meet my creator, but he was not ready for me yet. God healed me from my cancer, and I'm still here two books later. Manny, looking back over it all, what is the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author? When people say, it touched my soul, or I could not put this book down, and I've shared some of the things in this book already with my friends, that makes it all worthwhile. Did you ever get writer's block? Did you ever hit a point where you sat down to write and the thoughts, the words just weren't coming out? Yes, that happens a few times. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when that happens? Just write notes. Sometimes you get to, you know, I'll write a note in a, a little notepad and just come back on it and then wait till the words come out. Hmm. I hear a lot of authors say that they're also big fans of reading. What kind of things do you read, Manny? Mostly uh, self-help books and autobiographies are my favorite. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Just Squeeze My Hand, A Caregiver's Experience with Frontotemporal Dementia. It's written by Manuel Manny Monsivise Jr., and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Manny, I'd like to thank you again for joining me on the show tonight. I had a great time learning about the book and meeting you. Thank you so much, Corey. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Kathleen Bashor. Kathy, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Corey. It's really great to have you on the show today, Kathy. I just wanted to congratulate you on having a book that's out right now called Choose Joy, Beloved, Out of a Mother's Grief into the Father's Arms. Can you tell me what readers can expect? Well, I think they can expect the unexpected, actually, because that's what happened for me when I began writing the book based on the impressions I was receiving, what I was hearing from God on it was very surprising. So it's not a book on how to grieve. It's not. Everybody grieves differently, but it will contain some surprises about how heaven views us here on the earth and the grieving process. So I think they'll see some surprises in it. Hmm. Now, after coming off the first book into this one, was this one that you had planned to write off the bat along with the first, or is this something that sort of came into your mind after the first was published? No, the first book, 
I had to be told in a dream that I was supposed to write the story of raising our daughter who just had extreme mental health issues mm. like nothing I had ever seen. And that took me a while. I really resisted because it requires you to be vulnerable and put some things out there that will potentially help other people. So that book didn't take me that long to write once I went through my notes. I journal all the time. The second book, I did not expect at all to write because Kelsey had moved to heaven and I didn't want to write it. And, you know, you're in these extreme grief places, so there's nothing that comes into your mind about that. But it gradually began to dawn on me, this is a story that God wants me to put out there. So I put myself, it just kind of determined that I needed to do this and uh, just prayed for grace and it came out. Hmm. <laughs> Kathy, what kinds of readers do you think would really benefit from this? First of all, the first book, although people would think it would be for people who have special needs children, I found that it reached people who had problems with striving and trying to do everything in their own strength. Mm. This second book could actually, I'm not sure, you know, people that are going through grief could take it the wrong way. They could feel like, you know, they should be able to get through this quicker, but it's not like that at all. And I, I really hope I made that clear in the book. It's like, I'm just telling you my story and what I heard. And I found it very comforting. So certainly the second book, for anybody who loses somebody, I'm praying that they'll receive healing and comfort from reading what I heard from God. Hmm. And like you said, the second book was sort of an unexpected thing for you to write. Are there any kinds of plans for more writing in the future? Oh, yes. I write constantly. I have an email list, and every day, I'm whatever I'm hearing or sensing of an encouraging nature, I put out to the people. So there's so much that you kind of assume other people know, but they don't really. Hmm. I'm also a psychologist, so when I work with people, I find that they just do not understand the deep things going on inside of them. And I have, I think, valuable information I can put out there for people, even in practical kind of step form. So I'm thinking about that for my next book to deal with when people get stuck in negative cycles, but make it very readable, easy to understand. Hmm. So, Kathy, if you can picture the moment where you got the first copy of Choose Joy Beloved in the mail, you got to open the box and out it comes. You get to hold it in your hands for the first time. What was that moment like for you? Well, it was a mixture because of what the book was about. The first four chapters, of course, you know, were very, very difficult to write. So it was a mixture. The first book, it was like joy and like, wow, I actually did this. The second book, it was a mixture. There was more of the pain still on it thinking like, well, I never would have had to write this if Kelsey were still here. But overall, the book itself is very beautiful. The, I really love how they did the cover. And so I felt that mixture of pain, but also expectation, like I'm really hoping that this will help people. Mm. And now that you've been writing for a while and you've been through this process so many times, what advice would you have for the listeners right now who are authors just starting out, they need to get their first book out there? Well, I didn't know I was a writer. <laughs> I just journal a lot. People often don't know. You think, well, here's my identity. I'm a psychologist. This is what I do. But I didn't realize I was a writer. That's really different. I didn't have any training in it. I just love words. But at this point, I would just say, if you don't see yourself a certain way, but you find yourself journaling a lot, just start to do it. Any amount of writing you do any day is going to be helpful. Mm. So I would say just keep at it. Do, do those goals every day. And maybe, you know, what did they say about one email is like writing so much of your book, you know, you put more words in an email than you realize. Mm -hmm. So even that, think of yourself writing a couple emails a day and putting down some ideas and just let it flow. You'll be surprised at what starts to come out. Well, Kathy, thank you for using everything you've gone through in your life to reach out and to help others. I encourage my listeners to check out this book. It's called 
Choose Joy, Beloved, Out of a Mother's Grief into the Father's Arms. It's written by Kathleen Bashore, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this up everywhere. You get your books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Kathy, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had such a great time talking. Thank you, Corey. I did, too. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Gail B. Lee III. Gail, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. It's a pleasure to be with you, yes. It's great to have you here. want to congratulate you for having a new book out in stores right now. It's titled, And They Shall Not Escape. So can you tell me all about this? Well, <laughs> it's not a book for entertainment or anything like that. It's for information. I was reading my verse for the day. Our church does a verse each day that we read. Mm -hmm. And I was in the Old Testament, one of the uh, prophets, and I was reading what was going to happen. And I just got an inclination inside of me, you need to write a book about this. And that's what this book is about. Mm. What kinds of readers did you have in mind with this? Well, it's my desire and prayer that all readers read this book. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are uncertain about our future, especially the way things are going now. Mm. And this book brings out what's going to happen in the next few years, maybe 10, 20, or 30 years from now. But that's what this book is about. Mm. About how long did it take you to write this and then put through the publishing process? Well, it took me about seven months to write it because I had to go through each passage of Scripture, and I, I do a word study on it, which means I get my concordance out, and I study the words and then write them again. Hmm. And going through all the Scriptures like that, it takes time. But I was going through a hardship financially, going through the publishing part of it. It took about a year and a half for this one. <laughs> Do you have plans for more in the future, writing more and publishing more books? Yes, sir. I have another one that's in the editing and process right now. Hmm. It's about the parables about the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. And now that you've been through this for the first time, do you have any advice for the aspiring authors out there, the authors who are just starting out and want to get their first book out? Have patience. <laughs> Be very patient and cooperative with your publisher. They are there to help you. And if you follow their advice, it will become a reality. Mm. Gail, can you think about that moment when you received the first copy of And They Shall Not Escape? You're holding it in your hands. What was going through your mind? Oh, it finally happened. <laughs> uh, it was a great feeling. And not only because I wrote it, but because I believe I was doing what God wanted me to do. Mm. And it finally came into being. And it was joyous. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a routine for writing, like maybe you got up early in the morning, maybe you stayed up late at night to do this, or were you writing this sort of as the inspiration was hitting you? I was actually retired at the time that, that I was writing this, so I spent most of my day doing so, but I had to go back to work for financial reasons. 
then it became an after work project and and on the weekends. Mm. What did you do at those times when maybe the writing got tough or maybe it got cumbersome, maybe you didn't feel like doing it anymore or just maybe you didn't know what to do next? How do you get through those tough moments? You sit back and you just relax for a while. Mm. Get it off your mind and go do something that you enjoy. And when you come back, you'll look at it and everything will be refreshed again. Mm. This is a book I know a lot of my listeners are going to want to check out. It's titled, And They Shall Not Escape. It's written by Gail B. Lee III, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this book everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Gail, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had a really great time learning about And They Shall Not Escape, and really nice time meeting you. Well, I've had a great time talking with you, and I appreciate this moment. And I look forward to people buying it and really learning what's going to take place. Intelligent Design versus Evolution. This is the new book out in stores now, written by Shlomo Gabe, MD. And I'm really happy that Dr. Gabe is right here with me now to talk about it. Dr. Gabe, thank you for joining me tonight. Happy to meet you. Well, it's wonderful to see you have intelligent design versus evolution out there now. Can you tell me about it? What can readers expect? The book is really a scientific contribution more than anything else. And it's based on the fact that you see today that politics intermingle with religion. And I think the time has come to bring some scientific data for the average reader to be able to understand if what people that try to control the religion are basing their fact, their claim on the real scientific fact, or there is something else going on which it's difficult to understand. Mm. And also I would like to introduce here the notion that if you want to solve a scientific problem, you need a multiple disciplinary approach. Mm. Sometimes it's difficult to solve. If you look at, uh, for example, chapter one, you will be able to understand, the reader will be able to understand what's the contribution and why the scientific world is more complicated than one discipline. And this multidisciplinary approach can help to solve many problems that we have in science. Hmm. Dr. Gabe, I understand there are about 46 years of research that's gone into this, and what you found as a result is what made you write this book. Yes, because obviously originally... I'm a heart surgeon, Mm. so my interest was always to improve outcome of the patient. And you cannot base science to try to find a solution. You have to base everything on an ultimate truth, Mm. scientific truth that cannot, because if you are not choosing the right path, you will fail. So the only way you can succeed is to go step by step based on only the ultimate scientific truth. I found that the intelligent design, which is for me the creation, you can learn a lot from what the creator did and slowly advance with the research. Mm. And if you choose the wrong path because it's not based on real science, you will obviously fail. You cannot go against, so you have to learn everything. You have to learn biology, anatomy, chemistry. You have to learn hemodynamics. You have to learn everything around the biological world, genetics. Mm. And it's marvelous how from one or two cells, 
you end up having a full human being. So all this thing were not studied by the evolution men that came up with it, Darwin. With all due respect to what Darwin did, it's really the success of the fittest or the, the strongest man or woman who survived certain conditions. I call them more adaptation, but not to change the species. Mm. And I didn't want also people to claim that Darwinism is a new religion. And I'm explaining in a book why it is not. Dr. Gabe, do you have plans to be writing and publishing more in the future? Yes, I have uh, many books within in line, but obviously uh, I'm still involved in innovation mm. in my field of uh, heart surgery and everything around the subject. Mm. But I think I have a great deal of books that I would like to write, although I'm in the age of retirement, I didn't retire yet. And I think when I retire, I will, the only thing I will do is to write books. Mm. That's a great way to retire. I believe that the brain is like a muscle. Use it or lose it. Mm, absolutely. The book is titled Intelligent Design versus Evolution. It's written by Shlomo Gabe, MD, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this up everywhere you find books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dr. Gabe, thank you again for being here tonight. I had a great time talking with you and finding out about intelligent design versus evolution. Thank you very much, and I thank also Christian Fit Publishing for really willing to take this project and work on it. And I think it will be a good contribution to see the other side of politics. Thank you very much. Bible ABCs for Young Children. It's the new book in stores right now by Tammy A. Williams, and I'm really happy that Tammy's joining me right now to talk all about it. Tammy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great you have this book out, Bible ABCs for Young Children. Could you tell me all about it? Yes, Bible ABCs for Young Children is an early learning book. It teaches the letters, the sounds, and also it teaches Christian values. It's a simple read for the parents to be able to sit down and read the book to their children, to instill in them children values on a level on which they can understand. And I also wrote it because I wanted every child that I could reach to know that they are loved and they are wonderfully made in the sight of God. Tammy, can you tell me about how you got the idea or the inspiration to write this and publish it? I actually got the inspiration from my pastor who's passed now, Bishop Frank T. Scott. Hmm. I taught children's Sunday school class for over 29 years. I've done children recital programs, and he allowed me to write the lessons for my children's Sunday school class. And he used to share his writings with us in services, but he never got published. So I had a desire, a strong desire in my heart to even get some of his work published. So hope someday I do hope to get some of his work published as well. Mm. And how long did this take you to write and then put through the publishing process? It took me about three years to get it finished because of the opposition. But I just thank God for the encouragement from the church, from my family, and just hearing from the Lord telling me to get the book done. Every time I would pray with my sister, she's my prayer partner. We would hear the Lord say, just get the work done. So she held me accountable until I got it done. Mm. And when it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done this before? No, this is my first book. Writing I've done on my own before, but I've never been published. Congratulations. It's such a huge deal publishing a book. So can you give any advice now to the authors listening right now just starting out? Yes, I would say don't give up. I'm older, and this is something that I really wanted to do. So I would say just get started, and what I, no matter what the opposition is, just keep on going until you get it done. 
And Tammy, can you think about that moment when you got this in the mail, that first copy, and you got to hold it in your hands for the first time? What was that like? At first, it was surreal. It was hard to believe that I was actually holding my book. Then I, was, I kept looking at it, and I was saying, thank you, Jesus, for helping me get the book. And then I started getting excited. Usually, I'm a reserved person, so it took me a few minutes mm-hmm. to realize that the thought was in my head, then it was on paper, and now I'm actually holding the real book in my hand, and it's, and it's being published. Mm. So I got really excited once the reality of it set in. Mm. Tammy, now that you look back over it all, what's the most rewarding thing for you about being a published author now? The most rewarding thing for me is being able now to reach other children. Uh, outside of the, the church that I was teaching in and doing children recitals in, is I just want to be able to reach other children and let them know how well they, how much they are loved and how some wonderfully and fearfully made they are in the sight of God. And you hinted about more publishing, more writing in the future. Can you tell me more about that? Yes, right now I have the rough draft for four more ABC books wow. for different ages, even one for a grown-up. Illustrations are such an important part of children's books. What was that like, getting the visual part to line up with what you've written? Oh, it was wonderful seeing the pictures when once everything started getting illustrated and put in the book. I was just excited and amazed of the beautiful colors and the illustrations that was in the book to line up with my ideas and my vision of the book. Tell me what people are in your life that inspire you when it comes to what you write or what you create. I have a really close-knit family who supported me, and then my church family Mm. and my sister. But mainly, like I said, one who really inspired me was my pastor, seeing all the things that he wrote and that he never got published, and also allowed me to be able to write the Sunday school programs, to write the children recitals. He sort of encouraged me also to just be creative. Mm. Tammy, it sounds like you have a lot of ideas and enjoy writing. Does it ever get hard? Do you ever get writer's block? Yes, but generally I usually just wait until a thought come, in my, come to my mind and I'll, I'll grab a piece of paper or a tablet or something to write down what comes to my mind. And then I'll just write down everything concerning that subject and put it to the side and look at it again later. Mm. And are you the kind of author that has a routine for writing, maybe a certain time of day, a certain place that you like to go to write? Or do you find yourself just writing whenever the inspiration hits? Mainly at night when the house mm. is quiet, mm. usually at night. Take advantage of that quiet time. Yes. Well, I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's titled Bible ABCs for Young Children. It's written by Tammy A. Williams, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this book up everywhere that you buy books, like at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Tammy, it was wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me, and you have a blessed day. You can change your life by changing within. That's what author Sandy Money says in her new book, You Hold the Golden Key to Change Your Life. I'm really happy Sandy's right here with me now to talk about it. Sandy, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Can you tell me what you've written about in You Hold the Golden Key to Change Your Life? I've written this book with a purpose to help people to change their lives by changing within. Hmm. It's self-help book. So, you know, sometimes sometimes we limit ourselves and cap our potentials. Many talented people up there are just struggling and they think they can't move forward. Um, they hmm. believe that they're destined to remain in their situations, in their current situation. You know, usually this part is the problem. Hmm. That's when this book comes in. 
the secret in this book will help break it through the patterns of negative beliefs, because that's what holds us down, our negative beliefs. Moving from inaction to action, overcoming fears, the fears as a thief of joy. That's what majority is setting their potential because of fear to move forward, to show who they are, who they want to be. That's what this book is. And many, uh, many other things, amazing things in this book. Self-help book, mainly. Cindy, can you go back and tell me about the moment where you got the inspiration or the idea to sit down and write this? Oh, my gosh. This is a long, long story about the idea the inspiration. My inspiration is God. Mm. He is the one who inspired me. And by going to many other seminars and reading many books, and especially going to seminar and personal growth, personal development, I found out there was so many people up there were hurting, you know, all ages. Because in a seminar, we have an opportunity to express why we are there, what pain are we going through, or what things we want to overcome, what things we want to learn. And I learned from other people, you know, the pain and suffering, the emotional, physical, and spiritual pain they were going through. I said, wow, and I've been through that too. So I think I should write a book. And of course, I had in my mind writing book for many years, but the little voice in my mind, in my head, keep telling me, Nobody's going to want your book. Nobody's going to read it. Mm. Who cares about your book? You know, those so battle within. But, and I had God continuously keep inspiring me, keep this. My other little voice that I call, that's a God's voice. It keeps telling me, you can, you need to do this book. You cannot be selfish and hold it in. All the things you know, all the things you have done and all the things you know to get to where you are right now. Mm. That's what mainly is God and help the people, God's people, to get to, to the next level where mm. they should be. Sandy, if you can picture that moment when you got the first copy of You Hold the Golden Key to Change Your Life in your hands, what was that moment like for you? I was very grateful, thinking mm. that this book, it will help so many people. And looking ahead now, do you have plans to maybe write more books and publish more? You know, I wasn't. But after this book, I think I'm going to because I have so many other things. So I think I'll be, yeah, I think two more. I will be doing two more, writing two more. Well, that's great. So looking back over it all, what would you say is the most rewarding thing about being a published author for you? The most rewarding thing is that I've done what God wants for me to do. Mm. And I pray about this book. It will help so many people to transform their lives, regardless in what level they might be. You know, they might be on top of the world or in the middle or on the bottom. Everyone should read this book. I think it's going to help the people. And do you have any words of wisdom that you could offer to the people listening right now who are authors just starting out and just want to get their first book out there? You know, I always say that there's just so many. I mean, everyone has a book within mm. in a different titles. And when you think about others, how many people can you be helping by publishing, pulling out that book that you have within, put it out, you know, think about how many people's life you can be helping. And I think every human being should be writing book because that's what we are here to help one another. We might not be in everywhere, but by putting our, the book you have within, you can help many people. I certainly appreciate, Sandy, that you're looking to help others out with your work. The book is called 
You Hold the Golden Key to Change Your Life. It's written by Sandy Money, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this up everywhere that you pick up your books, like at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thanks again, Sandy, for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you so much, and I appreciate for the opportunity. I'd like to welcome author Michael French to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Michael, thank you for joining me here tonight. Very welcome. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. You've got a new book in stores right now. It's titled Honorably Dishonored. So can you tell me what readers can expect with it? Well, they can expect the truth. So also written out from the book, Read the Truth. It's about me going to boot camp, what happened to me in boot camp back in the 72 era different things like that, injected me with the wrong serum. I got went in a coma for a couple of weeks. That's part of it right there. Then taking beatings, me and a, several others for days and days at a time. Hmm. And the drill instructor ordered me to clean the head, which is the bathroom. And my skivvies, the shower, my shower shoes, scrub brush, bucket. And uh, he came in there and uh, he singled me out because I was I'm the only one from Chicago and he claimed that he was from Chicago. So he singled me out more than the others. He proceeded to kick me in my stomach, and he wanted me to do push-ups in the head then. And then all of a sudden, I felt a horrible pain, and he took a belly club, if you will, and sodomized me. This is uh, some of the stuff that went on in boot camp. I kind of contemplated escaping and running through the swamp land out there because of the parasite in South Carolina. I threw out my child regularly, and then someone, someone called them to the government. And next thing I know, those four drill instructors were gone, and four new ones came in. When that happened, we had to stay behind. Eight of us had to stay behind after graduation. That was a week before graduation to testify against us. Sergeant Johnson and the other DIs that did this. They got court-martialed. I don't know exactly what happened to them after that, but I kept this inside of me for years and years and years. Wow. What made you decide to write your story out and release this? Well, after going through so many different jobs and being stressed out and anxiety, you know, when I got in the Marine Corps, I switched to uh, so many different jobs. Music was one of the jobs I did, one of, one of my things I did. Hmm. And then uh, cable work, I saw the cable. But I was free then. I didn't have to have, I was a governor. I didn't have nobody looking down my throat. Hmm. So I did them jobs pretty well, but still, it was still building, building, stress building. Then I get a call from the IRS stating that the commandant of the Marine Corps wanted to talk to me, and they weren't allowed to give my information to them, so it was up for me to call them. So I called them, and they said uh, that was in the top 10 of, of the people at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina then, that got toxic water poisoning. So that's on uh, www.marine.nil, M-I-L. You pull that up and look down, and you can see what happened there. For 30, for 30 years straight, they were putting benzene, Dry cleaning fluid chemicals and other contaminants into the well 30 years straight, 57 to 87. Well, I was in there in the mid-70s when I came back from overseas for two years. And so I guess that's why I got contaminated so much. Wow. Which caused me to have exotic uh, cetosis, liver, colon problems, all this goes on. Then I, I tried to battle this here. Then I got classified as a disabled veteran, service-connected. And so that was in Nashville, Tennessee. Then things looked like they were going to go pretty good. I decided to move out west because of the fact that someone told me or heard through the grapevine that out in Arizona, they're working on this contaminated stuff that's in your body. And Obama sent me some letters. He stayed in contact with me. 
President Obama, and I brought them to Tucson VA and was talking to my urolog urologist because I had blood in my bladder at the time, hurt when I would walk. I kept showing him the letters. Finally, he got upset with me, trying to tell him about Obama, and he stood up and I wadded up the letters and uh, screamed in my face real loud, I don't care. I don't care about these letters. Do you know how much it costs for an MRI? I'm thinking, what the heck does this mean? <laughs> you know? So that's kind of the kind of stuff I dealt with through all the time out there. I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's called Honorably Dishonored. It's written by Michael French, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Michael, thank you again for coming on the show and talking about Honorably Dishonored. I really had a good time. Well, thank you very much, Corey. You have a good day. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting down with author Ron Ritchie. Ron, thanks for being here with me. Happy to speak with you today. I'm just uh, Otherwise, I'd be watching my TV shows. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to have you here in the show. You have a new book out. It's called Poems for Gnomes and Everyone Else. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a culmination of poems, actually, that I wrote over a period of time. I've been doing, actually, writing for, for several years, but about half of my writing is poems. Mm. I get that from reading hundreds of books, poems and uh, stories, fantasy. I've just been an avid reader for a long time, and then I just started writing things down. After you read about a thousand books, you kind of get this sense that maybe you could write something yourself, and so you sit down and give it a try, and there you go. Hmm. What kinds of readers were you looking to reach with it? Kind of like Mr. Rogers, just the people in your neighborhood, the people that you meet when you're walking down the street, you know, people in restaurants, everywhere you go, the people that you meet. My poems are um, for uh, a more adult people. They're not like nursery rhymes. They're poems for older people. They're clean and wholesome, but it's for more mature people. Like uh, a lot of them are about drinking beer at the tavern with the guys. Uh, I get uh, a lot of these ideas from um, years ago, about 900 years ago, there's a man named Omar Khayyam. He's got a famous book called The Rubiot, and I've gotten some of my ideas from him. He was a big influence on me, actually. Oh. So this is the first time you've been published then? Yes. I was kind of edged on by some of my friends. I originally, I wasn't planning on publishing anything. I was just writing this down for my friends and people to read, and several people kind of elbowed me and told me, hey, you should publish some of this. Hmm. I kind of hem-hawed and told them, no, I don't really think so. But then several of them told me, yeah, you should publish some of this stuff. And so I just, well, I kept that idea in the back of my mind. One day I just uh, looked up some publishers on the internet and found Fulton Publishing. And the thing that really got me, that hooked me and dragged me in, was the idea that I could have a book that I could hold in my hand and hand to my children and say, yeah, I made this. Mm. And they could hand it down. And after I'm gone, they'd have a, like a window into my mind and the times I lived. And long after I'm gone, that just kind of, that appealed to me. So I just jumped in, feet first. What was that moment like for you when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? It was a, quite an experience. Everybody would like to leave something to the children. Mm. And most people... As they uh, go through life, they, they're just here. And after they're gone, there's nothing that has a footprint. They, don't, they leave no footprint here after they're gone. When I got this, I thought, a book that I can hand to my kids, this will be my legacy. Mm. After I'm gone, they will one day look and see this book here, and they'll think, well, 
pick that up and start reading. And it'll give them a window into my mind where I was in those years gone by. It's just something I can hand out to my kids. It was, it, was a, it was a good feeling to be able to hand them down, not just money or possessions, but a piece of my mind, my thoughts. And it's me, a piece of myself that I can give to them mm. instead of money and possessions. Those, those things, they come and go. But your persona is, uh, well, it, it's you. And so just to hand a piece of myself down to my kids, it was a good feeling. Ron, what are the chances that you'll be releasing more in the future? It depends. If this venture pans out, I've got a couple of more books that I would like to publish. If this is a uh, losing venture, then I'll be done. I have a wife I have to answer to. Mm -hmm. She didn't really want me to go in for this in the first place, but did it in spite of her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love my wife. She was not on board with this from the start, but uh, if I could make a go of it, if this is a successful venture, I have two more in the in the works. Ron, do you have any words of advice that you can offer now to the aspiring authors who are listening? Well, my advice to other would-be authors is if you have something worth writing down, get it published. Don't pass up an opportunity to communicate with your descendants. You may never be wealthy or famous, but you can leave your children a part of yourself by writing them a letter. Do it. It's fantastic advice. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Poems for Gnomes and Everyone Else. It's written by Ron Ritchie, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ron, thank you again for joining me on the show tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about your work and chatting with you. Thank you, and uh, you have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 